Fired Up show starts right now. Hello, everybody. Thank you once again for downloading and listening to the Fired Up podcast right here on WJMS Media. This is Steve, and I host the show each week. And uh, we've got uh, an interesting show this week. Uh, We're going to focus on uh, a development that has sprouted up in some of the news media over the past week, uh, but it is one that has been many years in the making. Uh, So we'll get into that right after we get into our COVID numbers, as always. Uh, We are currently at 92.1 million cases of COVID here in the U.S. We've had 1,033,000 deaths in the country due to COVID, and 600 million people uh, have been vaccinated and that includes uh, people with both one dose and two doses against the COVID virus. Uh, In additional news, uh, just to keep you aware, uh, the U.S. is now seeing uh, about 5,800 cases of monkeypox that have uh, popped up in areas around the country. So something else that we need to keep aware of even though monkeypox is not as infectious or contagious, uh, it is something that is uh, painful and can be transmitted by close physical contact. Uh, and if you uh, acquire it, it is you know, very uncomfortable and symptoms and the, the disease runs its course in about two weeks. So just be aware. And as always, we know we need to stay safe and protect ourselves from these diseases, particularly the COVID. And we've talked about all the strategies for that uh, over the course of this show and over the last two and a half to three years here in this country. So let's get into what I wanted to go through uh, in this week's podcast. And I kind of teased it uh, in my last podcast, but we're going to go through and take a look at Uh, something that is just starting to be reported on in the broader media, but has actually been a process going on for many years, dating back uh, recently uh, in recent history to 2013. And that is that there is an effort uh, underway by conservatives in this country to essentially uh, rewrite the Constitution of the United States. Now, what does that mean? Well, that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to take a look at what the uh, Constitutional Convention uh, proponents are talking about and what impacts that could have on us here in America. So, First, a little bit of backgrounder. Um, The Constitution of the United States is not a uh, static document. Uh, As many people say, it is what's considered a living document. That is, it can be amended and changed to fit the needs of the times. And it has been, over its history, the Constitution has had 27 amendments added, uh, primarily through actions of Congress where a sufficient number of uh, congressional uh, delegations have proposed and passed a 
recommendation for amendment and then it goes to the states where uh, a sufficient or supermajority of the states uh, vote in favor of the amendment uh, before it gets added to the Constitution and becomes law. Now, that's a different thing from what the Constitutional Convention that we're going to talk about is, uh, is about. While both methods of uh, uh, changing the Constitution uh, stem from Article 5 of the Constitution, where it describes how Congress can amend the Constitution, again, with a you know, majority of the House and Senate delegates uh, voting in favor of it, and then uh, 38 states, or a supermajority of the states, uh, roughly three quarters, uh, can vote to ratify it into the Constitution. That's the path that's been taken you know, in the 230 some odd years since the document was, uh, uh, was accepted in this country. That is the, the way that you know, we're probably most familiar with. And if you had a, a civics class or a history class uh, in your education growing up, that's the one that has been talked about. The other one, that is available under Article 5 of the Constitution is where the states themselves call for a constitutional convention with the aim of modifying or rewriting the Constitution as a document in its entirety. And that is the process that uh, is going on as we speak. Uh, in fact, a, uh, a, uh, two weeks ago, there was a conference in Denver where the groups who are working to bring uh, enough states together to uh, have a constitutional convention met to discuss uh, additionally how that would be done and what things might be talked about. Uh, it's interesting that not a lot of mainstream media outlets uh, have picked up on this. We're going to talk about a few of them and I'll give you some information that they've provided. But this is something that has been going on in the background, as I said, since about 2013, where state rep uh, delegates have been gathering and planning on just how they can uh, effect a rewrite of the Constitution. Now, what would that mean if, if the Constitution were rewritten um, you know, and keep in mind that the driving force behind this current effort uh, is primarily made up of conservative uh, activists uh, in, in this country. Uh, what kind of things would that mean? Well, Tom Hartman, who is a progressive radio show host and author, uh, wrote a very interesting uh, article uh, dealing with that and I'm gonna give you some of what he talked about because I think it uh, makes a very good uh, explainer for you know what this exactly means and I'm not gonna go through the whole article it is it is a, uh, a somewhat lengthy read but I just want to pick up on some of the key points that he raised and we can use that for our discussion so, you know, his article um, talks about 
Uh, imagine if most public schools in the country closed and were replaced by for-profit charter or private academies. Uh, you know, imagine if the U.S. Constitution required the EPA, FDA, USDA, DOT, Department of Education, and Department of Labor to shut down. So, you know, that's that's just in the intro, and there's there's a whole lot more, but I want to touch on on some of these. So, what he's saying there is under this the potential rewritten constitution the department of education would be eliminated and that means that federal funding going to the states to uh, to help pay for or pay for public education and the requirements for public education would go away as well that would mean that the educational process would be through uh, private uh, profit and nonprofit school systems and attendance in those schools would be solely based on you know your ability to pay the tuition um, you know the environmental protection agency uh, if that went away all of the protections on our air and water and and land uh, would be uh, no more uh, the food and drug administration that's the group that oversees our food production in this country as well as uh, medication safety and other elements so you, you get the picture what this group is looking to do is to basically strip out of federal funding all of these key agencies now as as we'll talk about you know further down downstream of here uh, there is little to no talk about where the replacement money for these would come from uh, it could be you know state taxes it could be you know something else other than the money that comes from the federal government um, so it it you know it it goes on you know to say that if the constitution were changed that might make it illegal for the federal government to protect you from big polluters, from big banks, and even big food and pharma. Uh, you know, imagine if uh, the Citizens United and its position that political bribery is merely a First Amendment exercise of free speech, imagine if that was codified into the U.S. Constitution so it can never be overturned by Congress or a future court. Put a pin in that last part of the statement. Never be overturned by Congress or a future court. That uh, is a key, a key component of you know what the impact of this measure would mean. It means that it would go into the Constitution, become law, and become essentially unchangeable. You know, lay that over the current makeup of the Supreme Court, and you see where I'm going. Other things that might get impacted. Uh, food stamps, Pell Grants, housing supports, any program that helps the middle class, uh, the less fortunate or disabled, uh, none of these would be able to be touched by the federal government under the new constitution. Uh, so, you know, his article goes on that, you know, to, to lay out the fact that, uh, as we've talked about on this show, uh, this is not a new strategy. This is part of the long-term strategy that we've, we've discussed many times uh, on the Fired Up podcast and Fired Up show, uh, and that is the, um, 
you know, the the efforts by the Republican Party to cement their ownership of the state legislatures, uh, you know, through the Southern strategy and other means. Uh, so, you know, these things are all part of this long game that's been played by the Republican Party. Uh, so I want to skip down through the article, again, written by Tom Hartman, who's a radio show host on Sirius XM, as well as a, uh, an author uh, of several books and, and so forth. Um, I'm not saying this information as an endorsement of him, uh, but just he has done uh, an extensive amount of research, and it is a good primer on you know, kind of what this, this movement is about and what their aims are. Um, a lot of what they are talking about, as I said, are not new theories. They actually go back in many senses uh, uh, to uh, the 1980 presidential race where uh, David Koch of the, the famous Koch brothers uh, ran for vice president on the libertarian ticket in 1980. Uh, he had a platform that included a whole series of positions uh, in 1980, they were considered really just kind of pipe dreams for the right wing. But I'm going to read down uh, a pretty good chunk of the list, and I want you to think about how many of these things uh, have been uh, out there in recent discussions and in recent efforts by the Republican Party. And so you'll see that you know a lot of these that were considered pipe dreams have been working their way into the mainstream fabric of the conservative movement in this country. So let's, let's go through, and I'll, I'll go through these uh, in, in fairly rapid order. According to this list, uh, we urge the repeal of federal campaign finance laws and the immediate abolition of the despotic Federal Election Commission. We favor the abolition of Medicare and Medicaid programs. We oppose any compulsory insurance or tax-supported plan to provide health services, including those which finance abortion services. We also fav uh, favor the deregulation of the medical insurance industry. We favor repeal of the fraudulent, virtually bankrupt, and increasingly oppressive Social Security system. And pending that repeal, participation in Social Security would be made voluntary. We the abolition of the governmental postal service. We propose all personal and corporate income taxation, including capital gains taxes, uh, be eliminated. We support the, in, you know, the eventual repeal of all taxation. Uh, we support repeal of all law which impede the ability of any person to find employment, such as minimum wage laws. We advocate the complete separation of education and state government schools leading to the, I'm sorry, schools lead to the indoctrination of children and interfere with the free choice of individuals. Government ownership, operation, regulation, and subsidy of schools and colleges should be ended. We condemn compulsory education laws and we call for the immediate repeal of such laws. We support the repeal of all taxes on the income or property of private schools, whether public, I'm sorry, were profit or nonprofit. We support the abolition of the Environmental Protection Agency. We support the abolition of the Department of Energy. 
We call for the dissolution of all government agencies concerned with transportation, including the Department of Transportation. Uh, we demand the return of America's railroad system to private ownership. Uh, we also call for the privatization of public roads and national highway system. You know, we specifically oppose laws requiring an individual to buy or use so-called self-protection equipment, such as safety belts, airbags, or crash helmets. Um, some more of that are in here. As I said, this is a, a rather lengthy list. They support the, uh, we support the uh, abolition of the Federal Aviation Administration. We advocate the abolition of the Food and Drug Administration. It goes on to include, we support an end to all subsidies for childbearing built into our present laws, including all welfare plans and the provision of tax-supported services for children. We oppose all governmental welfare relief projects and, quote, aid to the poor programs, close quote. All these government programs are privacy-invading, paternalistic, demeaning, and inefficient. The proper source of help for such persons is the voluntary efforts of private groups and individuals. Put a pin in that one, too. We call for the privatization of the inland waterways. We call for the repeal of the Occupational Safety and Health Act. We call for the abolition of the Consumer Product Safety Commission. And, you know, the, the article, and I, I will place a link for it on my Facebook page so that you can read it in its entirety. Um, while, you know, I appreciate the effort that you know Tom Hartman put into pulling this together and I think it's a it's a scholarly document that does a lot of uh, laying open some of these things you know obviously you know and in, in, uh, even though times have changed since 1980 um, they they haven't in, in my opinion changed so much as to make these things more of a reality however the uh, defunding and deconstruction of many of the government agencies has been a common theme that we've heard mentioned uh, by you know conservative politicians over the last uh, you know 20 25 years or so uh, remember the Tea Party and how their approach to uh, trimming the size of government was called the sequester where you know dollars that are spent on a program had to be matched in equal dollar for dollar fashion with cuts in other areas in order to offset so that it becomes you know essentially revenue neutral or balance the budget neutral so this group the citizens for self-governance group that stands at the lead of this current effort uh, has you know a, a long history going back to uh, at least 2013 or earlier uh, and you know, have been working on making this constitutional convention a reality. So, you know, what is what does this mean? Well, there was an article in Newsweek that talked about this, uh, and you know, according to uh, conservatives who are pushing for this unprecedented convention, uh, they literally see it as the survival of the nation. And that's a quote from Carla Jones, director of the Federalism Task Force at the Conservative American Lead, uh, Legislative Exchange Council. And if you that name sounds familiar, American Legislative Exchange Council, that's because we've talked about it uh, in last week's show or the week before's podcast. 
they're the group that among other things write out uh, draft or model legislation that they send around to the states for enactment at the state level in the legislatures there um, so just you know keep that in mind we talked about that so you know let's let's kind of analyze where we are thus far so we have this group that's working on uh, pulling together a constitutional convention in order to uh, you know as they say revamp but in a sense rewrite the American Constitution um, they're talking for the abolition of many federal agencies that have at their core uh, a protective element um, I know as a as a safety manager for the company I work for I deal every day with uh, OSHA the Occupational Safety and Health Act and you know if if that were to go to go away uh, there's there's no guardrails on what employers can do or utilize their workers to do uh, and and you know the hell with their injuries or deaths um, the Food and Drug Administration you know everything that you know, we we buy in a supermarket you know every food item that we eat is uh, reviewed for safety by the FDA the medications that we get for, you know from our doctors or from our pharmacies uh, all have received approvals from the Food and Drug Administration uh, the Department of Transportation controls the interstate railways and bus systems and trains you know all of these things if if they were to go away uh, basically you know what's going to happen to the rest of us so again while this constitutional convention is something that is not new it is also something that has been sailing uh, somewhat under the radar for you know the past two or three decades uh, as it has gained steam now as I said earlier um, you know 34 states need to apply to Congress in order to have a constitutional convention this group uh, already has 19 states who are signatories uh, to the application having submitted the necessary paperwork to Congress so basically they're about halfway there they need you know 15 more states in order to have this and just to be clear and and to make sure the point uh, is driven home uh, when I say that you know they need you know 15 states more or you know 34 states in total what I mean is they need 34 state legislatures uh, this process excludes the governors from any role in uh, in doing the convention or amending the Constitution just as it excludes the United States Congress and the United States Senate and the President of the United States from any role in the process this would be entirely controlled by the House and Senate chambers of the states who are participating and you know as I as I said a few moments ago the Republicans have been on a 50 plus year plan in gaining control of as many state houses and state legislatures as they could uh, perhaps just so such a strategy could be implemented so 
you know, the the idea and you know, we've talked about this on this show many times about playing the long game uh, becomes abundantly clear when you look at the potential for a constitutional convention to uh, dramatically amend or rewrite in its entirety the United States Constitution. So you, you would need to ask the question, you know, what is the value of going through, obviously, this, uh, this very heavy lift of organizing and holding a constitutional convention? Uh, what does that mean you know, in terms of the conservative groups that are at the forefront of this? Well, if you look at the even most recent history uh, of Congress, of the House and Senate, uh, and we use for an example the Affordable Care Act, uh, which is among you know the premier programs that the Republicans wanted to do away with. Uh, they brought uh, a an enormous amount of legislation to the floor of the House and Senate in order to repeal or severely restrict the Affordable Care Act, and it it didn't happen uh, primarily because the act had you know immense public uh, approval and provided you know health insurance to tens of millions of americans that it was just not popular enough uh, for them to make that change well under a rewritten constitution the affordable care act could be you know functionally eliminated um, under you know an amended constitution um, not only would the uh, repeal of Roe versus Wade uh, be uh, be codified, uh, it could be expanded into a national no no exceptions abortion ban. Under you know a constitutional convention, uh, you know the the idea of you know equal and fair access to housing, to banking to you know any services that you can think of can be retailored to the designs of you know the conservative groups that are heading this up uh, you know and you know as I said in the process of you know making these changes the existing checks and balances of our our federal government system and to uh, a certain extent as it applies to the governors of the states uh, is is inconsequential. It has no impact. All of this is done through the, the actions of state legislatures without the input of uh, or support by for that matter of state governors, of United States senators, United States congressmen, and the United States president. So, you know, this, this could, you know, be more than just the uh, unraveling of uh, the uh, American experiment as we've talked about uh, and has been talked about in in the media. Um, so another Newsweek article that kind of spoke to this uh, came out um, last week and you know talks about uh, the the will Republicans pushing for a constitutional convention succeed and you know it it's by you know Ewan Palmer of Newsweek and came out on August 3rd 
experts have raised concern over Republican plot to amend the Constitution by creating a never-before-seen constitutional convention, although they downplay the chances of its success. Uh, the grassroots plan being pushed by figures such as former Senator Rick Santorum and Donald Trump lawyer John Eastman was highlighted in a lengthy report by Insider, that's Business Insider, detailing how Republicans have spent years gathering momentum for an idea previously considered to be far-fetched. Uh, it talks about, you know, under Article 5 of the Constitution, amendments can be made to the documents if a two-thirds majority of Congress supports a change which is how the 27 amendments have been approved so far, or if two-thirds of the U.S. states call for a convention to amend it, which has never been done before. Uh, with, you know, as the article says, with Congress becoming increasingly divided, it has become harder for any amendment to the current Constitution to be passed, even on some of the less contentious issues. So, you know, a as I was saying, and as it says here, and, you know, it, it is, you know, a, a another uh, approach, you know, granted a more drastic approach and a more, uh, you know, far encompassing approach to stop trying to, you know, fix the Constitution piecemeal and just, you know, pull together the convention and rewrite the document from the ground up. You know, just think about the things, the arguments we've had related to the Constitution over the last 20 years or 30 years. Uh, number one on that list, the Second Amendment. Uh, under a constitutional convention, the Second Amendment could be rewritten to be ironclad and absolute that, you know, for example, and, and, and you know, just as an example, that, you know, any lawful citizen of the United States can own any or as many uh, firearms as they want, period, full stop. You know, uh, never mind the, the well-regulated militia, never mind, you know, not infringing. You say you have the you have the absolute constitutional right in this country to own uh, a gun or guns, uh, weapons as you want, period. All right. Think about what that means. Um, you know, think about how the uh, Voting Rights Act. You know, and it would it would push down to the states that they can write their own laws uh, to control not only how elections are held and where you can vote, but who can vote. You know, remember in the original Constitution, African Americans were considered three fifths of a a human, primarily because at the time of the writing of the Constitution, African Americans outnumbered whites in this country drastically so that if all the slaves that were freed had the full right to vote uh, white people would basically be voted out of office um, so the Constitution was written to to dilute the vote of the african-american community think about you know the the arguments and the things that have gone on around immigration in this country uh, what if, under the, a rewritten Constitution, it was not illegal to separate children from their families? It was not illegal to imprison people either within our borders or outside of our borders uh, while you know, their application for immigration was being processed? And extend that. What if 
immigration was severely restricted to a, a who's who list of countries that we will, quote, accept, close quote, uh, immigrants from. So, I mean, when you look at, you know, all of the arguments uh, and, and think about it this way, how many times in the news have you heard about arguments that were deemed unconstitutional? Well, if if the Constitution was rewritten, um, what would that mean in terms of things that would be considered unconstitutional? So, you know, as as I've said, this this effort to put forward a revised or rewritten constitution uh, should be very troubling to the mainstream of American uh, citizens uh, in this country. So getting back to the article from Newsweek, um, so uh, the, the article cites um, Rob Nadelson, a constitutional scholar who is working with the grassroots movement to push for a convention believes that there's a chance of it happening in the next few years. Uh, my guess, and this is according to Nadelson, uh, is we would probably have about an even chance of a convention over the next five years. Uh, speaking to Newsweek, uh, Eric J. Siegel, professor of law at Georgia State University College of Law, downplayed suggestions that there will soon be enough sp support for a constitutional convention. According to Siegel, he says they need 34. Uh, when they get to 27 or 28, I'll start to worry. Siegel added that while there are a number of clauses and amendments in the Constitution that he believes should be changed, such as giving federal judges life tenure or having a two-month gap between presidential election and the inauguration day, the country is too divided to currently discuss alterations to the document. Um, Carolyn Shapiro a law professor at Chicago Kent College, uh, I'm sorry, Chicago Kent College of Law, said that while it is certainly possible to imagine that enough U.S. states would support a constitutional convention, doing so could be extraordinarily devastating to the continued existence of the United States as a single nation. Uh, in her opinion, it is very troubling to see the movement potentially gaining momentum during a time when the country as a whole is struggling so much with our multiracial democracy. And that was told in an interview with Newsweek. Uh, where we have strong authoritarian tendencies emergence, emerging, we have structures in place that might give those authoritarian tendencies the ability to gain power and increasingly gain power. Uh, the Constitutional Convention might very well facilitate that. So what she's saying there is, you know, as a, a convention were convened, or if a convention were convened, uh, these groups uh, could latch on to this and use it as a platform to get their beliefs uh, written into the governing documents of our country, making it uh, very difficult, if not impossible, to you know, extricate them from the fabric of our nation. Um, think about, you know, it, the, the people who uh, led the January 6th insurrection. What if that whole process was not illegal? You know, what if there was a constitutional protection for, you know, any uh, physical expression of displeasure between the citizens and their government? What would that mean? You know, we have to take into account uh, what 
you know, these, these changes to our governing document uh, would mean in terms of the, the things that we go through, you know, every day that are protected uh, by law thanks to our Constitution. You know, and, and I've mentioned, you know, the right to vote. Uh, you know, we've heard discussions coming out of the Supreme Court about the next round of uh, rights that will be attacked and that are in a process of being attacked as the legal system looks for an appropriate case to elevate to the Supreme Court, you know, to challenge things like same-sex marriage, like interracial marriage, uh, contraception, you know, all of these elements could be written into the governing document and thereby make them, as I said, next to impossible to, you know, extricate from the fabric of our country. They would become essentially the law of the land. Um, you know, one of the other things that this calls for, um, you know, in, and, and, you know, while a lot of this, let me backtrack a little, while a lot of this seems like, you know, very negative things, there are a few elements of this proposed convention or a few planks in the platform of this convention that, you know, bear strong consideration and are not necessarily uh, dangerous or harmful uh, if they are enacted. One of them is uh, that there is a, a platform that says that there should be term limits imposed on uh, U.S. congressmen and U.S. senators. Uh, the, you know, the, the President of the United States is limited under the Constitution to two terms, no more. Uh, and that was you know, an amendment that was put forward um, you know, in, in the 40s because you know, Franklin Roosevelt uh, served four terms as president and a couple of other presidents served more than just two terms. So what this would propose would be that, for example, uh, Congress people and senators in Washington would have some finite number of terms that they could hold that position for. Uh, same thing would be put in place for Supreme Court justices, where it would change the appointment of, you know, lifetime appointments would in fact become term limited appointments. Uh, and, you know, that, even though, you know, it, it's part of this process, that's actually maybe not a bad thing, uh, particularly given, you know, what we've seen in, in the past and, you know, and so forth uh, with, with our senators and with our congresspeople and, you know, to a lesser extent, but not much less to our Supreme Court justices. Uh, so those are a couple of things. Um, the other... The other thing that this would uh, do is, if, if they got it forward and if they carried this, this one, this plank through, would be to repeal the 17th Amendment, which allows the public to elect senators instead of the state legislatures. Keep in mind that prior to the, uh, the enactment of the 17th Amendment, senators in Washington were appointed by the state legislatures. So that is that, you know, uh, all of the 100 senators in Washington were put in position by their states, not by, you know, not through an election process. Now, you could argue that, 
you know, again, you know, depending upon the makeup of the states, that this could be problematic. Uh, and if we have a majority of the states that are, you know, under conservative control or, you know, uh, under Republican control, that the idea of a bipartisan Senate could, you know, be severely hampered, if not totally crippled. Uh, but by the same token, there are elements in this that, you know, have a, a positive angle to them that, you know, would be something to consider. Now, I will caveat all of that with all of this is dependent upon who makes up the constitutional conventions. You know, now the, there's, you know, one group, um, the Article 5 group, which is, I guess, one of the sponsoring organizations in this, uh, says that, you know, there would be a, a mixture of delegates in the convention, some of which who would be conservative or, or considered conservative, some of which who would be considered, you know, progressive or, you know, liberal, uh, others that lean conservative and still others that lean progressive. Uh, that is entirely dependent upon who the states send to the convention. Now, at worst, there could be 34 uh, Republican-approved delegates uh, at this convention and, you know, uh, 16 uh, Democrat or liberal or progressive-approved delegates at this convention. And by the way, in a constitutional convention, each state would get one representative. So, you know, the, the votes, there would be a total of 50 votes, uh, majority rule, and so on and so forth. So you might, you might wonder what the impact of a constitutional convention uh, could be on current political situations. Well, you know, history shows us that this is not the first time that the states have pushed calls for a constitutional convention. Uh, they did it, you know, in um, ahead of the passing of the 17th Amendment in 1912, after several states uh, passed calls for a convention to directly elect U.S. senators. Uh, so, you know, one of the things to understand is the action of working to pull together a constitutional convention may be the the impetus behind moving some of the uh, key legislative agenda items of both sides uh, forward, uh, you know, basically holding uh, the, the threat of rewriting the entire Constitution over making, you know, uh, relevant changes to what's going on now. Also keep in mind that it is uh, dependent on, you know, who is in control of the levers of power in this country. Uh, and with us being some 90 days out from the midterms, uh, it just you know, is another uh, log on the flame of let's make sure that you know, we're out to vote. We'll talk about that in, in a second as I get into the call for action segment. Um, but, you know, it, it can be the and I don't want to use the term threat, but the potential for a constitutional convention may be enough to drive uh, parties who couldn't find reasons to talk with one another to find a reason. Um, so, 
you know, it, it, it this again is following in what we've learned uh, from history. And even, you know, some people who, you know, uh, you would, would not expect to get such an opinion from, uh, like Senator Cruz of Texas, uh, who's quoted in the article saying, what is most likely is that as we move closer to a convention of the states, that at the last minute, Congress will blink and pass the underlying amendments. That's what history shows us is likely to happen, yeah, again, according to Senator Cruz, uh, you know, who who is, you know, obviously a player in the upcoming 2024 election and so forth. But, you know, in, in this case, he may be, you know, a little bit uh, prophetic in his thinking in terms of what the potential for a constitutional convention could mean, you know, if both sides sit down and really look into it. So, you know, there, there could be hope, all right? Um, so one of the things I found as I was you know, doing my homework on this uh, is I found an open letter to the states from the Convention of States Action Organization. And the Convention of States is uh, the group that uh, I guess sits at the top of the pyramid in the efforts to to organize and, and bring up a constitutional convention. And this, uh, an open letter to the states uh, titled America's Future Depends on Your Leadership. Uh, it was published in the Convention of States blog uh, on July 2nd of this year. Uh, it was written by Heidi Workman. And it, it, go, it reads as follows. Uh, we the people of the Convention of States movement declare that the United States government has failed to secure the rights of American people as called for in the Declaration of Independence. Instead, the federal government, dominated by career politicians, has usurped power from the people and the states over the many decades, effectively dismantling the principles of federalism that the Founding Fathers forged into the U.S. Constitution. Such circumstances necessitate a recurrence to the, to the principles upon which these United States were founded. And it, she lists that all persons are created equal, that the equality of persons is derived from the equal standing of their individual rights. These rights include life, liberty, property, and the pursuit of happiness. That these rights are not established by government Government is established with the consent of the governed to secure these pre-existing rights. That whatever government uh, falls in securing, I'm sorry, that whenever government fails in securing these rights, it is the duty of the people to alter the government to better secure these rights. We now issue this open letter to the states to communicate our grievances with the federal government. And she goes on to list, uh, it has amassed 30 plus trillion dollars in national debt with 150 trillion dollars in unfunded liabilities. It frequently fails to balance its budget as most states are required to do. It is not held to generally accepted accounting principles as all businesses are. 
Congress is not required to limit all bills to a single subject as most states are, leading to massive omnibus federal spending bills. Congress unconstitutionally delegates its sole authority to make laws to an unelected bureaucracy. The judicial branch unconstitutionally encroaches on the sole authority of Congress to make laws by legislating from the bench. The executive branch unconstitutionally encroaches on the sole authority of Congress to make laws through executive orders, which change drastically from one administration to another. Federal elected officials are accountable to their political parties and special interest groups rather than to their constituents. Congress regularly oversteps its constitutionally limited powers in the areas of education, healthcare, energy, and the environment, and many more. Uh, it has failed to secure the U.S. border, thus increasing drug and human trafficking and allowing a flow of illegal immigrants who become reliant on services funded by taxpayer dollars. It has, at times, made efforts to undermine the Bill of Rights, weaken the justice system, disarm the populace, suppress free speech, regulate religious freedom, and control the mainstream media narrative. The unconstitutional Department of Education promotes criminal, uh, I'm sorry, critical race theory and radical sexual gender ideology in schools. Uh, it promotes woke ideologies as a replacement for Judeo-Christian values and patriotic national identity. Federal officials make pro prominent government appointments on the basis of race, sex, or sexual orientation rather than strictly on legitimate professional qualifications. It employs destructive environmental social government, ESG, and corporate social responsibility, CSR, scoring, which run counter to a free market economy. Congress and unelected bureaucrats force health mandates upon the citizenry. Federal officials execute unconstitutional government surveillance of law-abiding citizens. It suppresses energy independence, causing high fuel prices, food shortages, national blackouts, and dependence on imports from unfriendly countries. Federal officials attempt to embrace international treaties that threaten the sovereignty of United States and override domestic laws. Federal officials weaponize federal agencies to suppress political opponents. Federal officials have threatened to dismantle the Electoral College and pack the Supreme Court. In addition, the federal government has squandered the wealth of its citizenry through unfair and excessive taxation in the name of unconstitutional social programs, excessive welfare state uh, expenditures for political gain, and massive deceitful spending disguised as a rescue strategy. On September 15, 2022, we will recognize the 235th anniversary of the, of the unanimous adoption of Article 5 into the Constitution, and we, the undersigned, believe Article 5 holds the key to correcting these and other abuses of power. Article 5 defines the process for amending the Constitution. Amendments can be proposed by Congress with two-thirds vote for each House or by a convention of the states when requested by a two-thirds or 34 count of state legislatures. 
Any proposed amendment, whether proposed by Congress or a convention of the states, must be ratified by a three-quarters uh, majority, 38 states, before it becomes effective as part of the Constitution. We thereby call on our elected state legislators to, uh, to exercise their authority under Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution to propose amendments that Congress would never propose, facing, placing physical, I'm sorry, placing fiscal restraints on the federal government, imposing term limits on federal officials, limiting the power, scope, and jurisdiction of the federal government. 19 of the 34 necessary states have already exercised their constitutional authority to call for an amendment proposing convention to restrain our out-of-control federal government. We, the undersigned, hereby urge the remaining states to rise to defend our republic against the growing threat of a tyrannical federal government and reclaim their rightful constitutional power by calling for a convention of states. So that is quite a mouthful um, from the Convention of States Action Organization. Uh, I will post a link to that uh, along with uh, the information on the show that goes to my Facebook page. Um, and I encourage you to read that and also do, as we always say, do your diligence. Uh, dig into this issue. Find out what it means for you and, you know, for your community, for your family, your loved ones, uh, and, you know, govern your actions accordingly. You know, this is something that we are going to face uh, and, and hear more about uh, as time marches on. I think, as I, I said, one of the uh, people quoted in the article said, you know, when they get to, you know, 25 uh, or 27 of the states that have applied, I think this thing is going to hit critical mass and we will see a, a flurry of uh, action on some part from Congress um, to address the concerns that are raised. You know, in this letter, it, it does raise some points that are worth considering and it does uh, call for some actions that I think um, could be beneficial to our country. Uh, I am, you know, as I've, I've said on prior occasions, I am a fan of term limits. I, I think, you know, 40, 40 years as a congressman, 40 years as a senator, uh, is too long. Um, you know, our original founders intended for people to come to the federal capitol to serve a term as a senator or a congressperson and then to go back home and tend their farms. Uh, I think, you know, while a single term is, is likely not enough, I do think there needs to be some reasonable term limits, among other things. So, you know, this is the the tip of the iceberg um, keep an eye and an ear out you will begin to hear more and more media outlets talking about this uh, and it is something that you know we need to be aware of again this will be in the control of our state legislatures this is not a federal control issue so you know as we come to the midterms the importance of you know consolidating uh, a progressive leadership in our state legislatures grows um you know if if you know th this this could be very draconian and you know clearly republicans are pushing on this so uh democrats you need to make sure that you're marshalling your forces in order to combat uh state legislatures you know turning red or turning more red 
Democrats, you need to be working toward uh, flipping as many states as possible blue. And by that, I don't necessarily mean uh, the U.S. senators and U.S. Congress people. I mean your state legislators. Um, you know, this is something that we have to make sure that our voices are being heard and that the conservative um, media and the conservative entities aren't driving the narrative on this to the exclusion of everyone else. So a as always, you know, our call to action is uh, get informed, get educated, get involved. Uh, and do what needs to be done. Communicate with your state and local uh, elected officials and make sure that you find out where they stand on the potential of having a constitutional convention if your state has not already uh, submitted its application, if you're not one of the 19 that have already applied. Um, you know, don't ignore this. This, um, you know, as I said, this could be very detrimental to uh, things in your basic life that you take for granted, like public schools and public transportation and, you know, medical and health care. This is a case where many things that, you know, are currently constitutionally protected uh, could go away. And, you know, we need to make sure that that our state legislators, our state elected officials understand what we want and we've got to start having that communication now and we've got to have it continuously because and keep in mind that the, the bottom the final bottom line of this is if your state legislators don't hear from you don't know what you're thinking and what you want them to do it is the same as telling them okay go ahead do what you want we've got to make sure that they are informed on what their constituents, the people that elect and send them to office, are, are wanting of them to accomplish. So, you know, all the usual, you know, dig wider, dig deeper, be informed, be educated, be active, uh, needs to be uh, brought to bear on this issue, because we are going to be looking at this and discussing this as a country uh, in, in more detail over the coming you know, months and years, and particularly through the election cycles. So, you know, uh, again, if you have any thoughts, please send an email to the show at firedupradio at yahoo.com. Uh, I'd love to, to hear what you think of the idea of a brand new constitution being written for the United States of America. Uh, let's, let's engage in conversation over this because it is very, very important. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. As always, I thank you so much for uh, taking the time downloading and listening uh, to my show uh, each, each week as I bring these podcasts out. Uh, again, if you have any questions, firedupradio at yahoo.com is the, the email address to communicate with the show. Uh, I look forward to, uh, to our next uh, adventure. And in the meantime, please stay safe. Please protect yourself from the diseases out there. And I look forward to posting another podcast from uh, WJMS Media and Fired Up in seven days. Take good care, everybody. Mm -hmm.